Welcome to the Next Generation Construction Podcast, brought to you by G4C, the young professional voice of the built environment. We are hopefully here to inspire the next generation of our industry. Hello everyone, it's Demi here. Welcome to the Next Generation Podcast. On today's episode, I'm here with guest speaker Andrea, a fellow architectural graduate who currently works with the Construction Innovation Hub as a researcher. On this episode, Andrea will share with us her personal experience in her education and the industry. And together, we hope to give our audience some insights about architectural education routes, as well as the challenges we've faced and the opportunities we are finding. Hello, Andrea, how are you? Hi, Demi, thank you for introducing me. Um, Hello, everyone. I'm Andrea, and um, just a little bit about me. I am from Romania, and I came to England to study undergraduate program in uh, architecture at the Bartlett School of Architecture, UCL, in 2015. So that in itself was a massive experience for me, not to mention being um, accepted at one of the best schools for architecture in the world. Um, At the moment, I am working at the Construction Innovation Hub as a researcher in skills and training. Um, And I know that might sound a bit weird, why aren't you an architect, but um, you'll find out more why. Um, And um, I just want to say that, you know, even though if even if you study architecture, you're not limited just to become an architect. There's so many routes out there for you and so many things that you can do, which you'll find out more (laughs) in the in the next couple of minutes. Okay, Andrea, so the first question on today's episode is, why have you changed your career path from becoming a qualified architect? And what in particular made you want to pursue research in the built environment? Well, this is only, this is my experience. And obviously that doesn't resonate with everyone. But as a, as a, you know, my experience in, in the Bar- School of Architecture uh, wasn't wasn't a very, like it had its positives, but mostly negatives. As, as I mentioned, it was a very overwhelming um, thing to like be admitted to this kind of school and the expectations were very high. And I've, I've, after my first, my first year, I was just shattered because I, I, you know, I thought that, um, all my impressions of the Bar School of Architecture were different than what I've um, came to face in reality. Um, and overall, I felt like uh, the whole school was a little bit elitist and I found myself feeling like an outsider most of the time and uh, feeling that I wasn't receiving the uh, support that I needed from my tutors. Um, and most of the times when we were, you know, doing our projects as um, studios and groups, um, it felt like um, our tutors were trying to promote some kind of uh, rivalry between between us. And uh, there was like a high expectations to not have a personal life, which in itself is a little bit ridiculous because it's your first year, it's your first time in uni, you should, you know, um, like enjoy it. Exactly. Live your life a little bit, make friends. And most of the times, like 
I, I was working day and night, day and night for such a long time. Um, and um, I felt burnt out. I wasn't able to, um, you know, do what everyone else was doing as freshmen. Uh, I wasn't able to go to all the parties because I had to, to study and finish my projects. And that put me down a little bit. Um, yeah. And... Um, it's crazy is- that you say that because uh, even though I didn't study at the Bartlett, if you heard my other episode, um, I studied at the University of Lincoln. And uh, for those of you that are in the architectural world, the Bartlett is like the gods of <laughs> education. Like if you want the best education, we're told you go to Bartlett. Mm. Um, I was told that that when I was at Lincoln. Um, but that expectation that you're talking about, about your very first year, they do pile on the pressure. It's like a we don't have exams. Um, it's a hundred percent coursework in mm-hmm. architectural education, but oh my god, is it relentless? We just are continuously burning out. Um, and yeah, social life. I just remember seeing all of my other people that I was living with in my dorm just going out and partying mm-hmm. and joining societies, mm-hmm. and I was just not able to. I was like, mm-hmm. I've got a deadline, and yeah. everyone was laughing at me like, you know, you're in your first year. What are you doing? Why are you getting drunk? And I'm like, because mm-hmm. I've got a crit in the morning. Do you not understand? <laughs> These yeah. people like don't take this lightly um and obviously we were I I was initially very passionate about architecture and like you're saying with the expectations you go into with your school uh, you don't want to let yourself down you want to work hard um and I think you're very similar to me in that way so yeah Yeah, it's crazy to see um but the pressure is definitely there it's the pressure is definitely there from like every every school and I feel like a lot of schools are trying to copy the style of of the bar which in itself is amazing like they are doing crazy stuff but sometimes it's very difficult for people that are not really initiated in the world of architecture uh, they don't have uh, relatives that are architects or work in architecture, and someone as me that came from from nowhere, from a small country, from a small city in Romania to uh, the big London and the big Bartlett, I didn't really have much uh, understanding of what architecture truly was. So that was, you know, no one really helped me understand that, that more. Yeah, <laughs> but it was a shock really because I, yeah. I definitely, I think I can tell you my personal statement joining Lincoln and what I sent out to all the units was I want to become an architect because mm. one day I'm going to change the world. Mm. I, I do believe architects in general or designers that are creative people, we do have ambitions, like mm-hmm. massive ambitions to do something creative and positive and impactful. Mm-hmm. And I think when you're faced with an experience where it's, it's bringing out all the negative sides yeah. of pressure and the stress and the late nights and unhealthy yeah. habits and lack of socializing like you mm-hmm. can I can't believe you came to the UK and you weren't even allowed to go and make friends like that could have mm-hmm. really changed your experience yeah uh, so what kind of projects did you did you do in Bartlett then <clears throat> so in my first year it was more like trying to explore with different kind of uh, media mediums medias mediums uh, of um, different materials, different techniques, digital, um, hand hand drawing, a lot of hand drawing, because that's what they wanted us to exercise our um, visual, our visual capabilities and how we perceive space. And I, <clears throat> even though my first year was very very hard and tough, I did enjoy the fact that uh, in terms of projects, it was so much creativity, and you could do 
literally everything. There are people like I remember dearly, actually, that one of the big projects that we had was to create a, a tool, a drawing tool. And people were like designing costumes that allow you to perceive space in different ways with like you would uh, they would have like uh, pencils and pens of different colors attached to the, the costume that they've created. And that was in itself a drawing tool. Uh, and me and my team, because we we were um, taught to like work in, in teams and see how we we um, are able to to uh, be teammates and to cooperate. We designed a kind of like glove that would like first survey what the the landscape that you were the different part of the landscape that you were um, feeling because you couldn't you you basically couldn't see what you were feeling and then while you were feeling the landscape and all the shapes and forms your movements were um, like your hand. Uh, on your hand, there were attached some some charcoal bits, and they would create like kind of, some kind of like uh, draw, like in, 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 indirect drawing. Yeah, 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 indirect wow. drawing of like what you were feeling. So that was our drawing tool. I know it sounds mad. I don't know if this I've is done. This architecture school <laughs> is. I swear. Yeah. When I first started, they did something very similar to me. They wanted us to create an exhibition space that made people feel different types of emotions. And they made us pick mm -hmm. these emotions out of heart. And I think my team got anticipation. And mm -hmm. we were like, how do you build an environment of anticipation? And we were like using streamers and like, uh, like we had timers and lights and we were thinking of game shows and like mm -hmm. opening the quiz box and like going between spaces and having to queue yeah, and wait yeah. for something. But all of those tools, they are getting you to think really widely about mm -hmm. the how architecture affects everything we do and how we're mm -hmm. responsible to design for all of these things. Exactly. Um, so interesting. Exactly. Okay, that's so great to hear. I can't believe how much similarities we have in our experiences. But just getting back to the question, what was it about your, was it your education? What made you change your mind that you wanted to become a researcher and not continue on the architectural education? That is, a, that is actually a really good question. Um, so I've discovered research when I was doing my dissertation and I absolutely fell in love with it. I fell in love with my, you know, how the tutors would, uh, the tutors for the dissertation would encourage us to like, you know, be outside, engage with everything, learn, read, apply everything. So uh, because I, and, and choose choose a subject that really mattered to you. So for me, it matters social, social and how, how we, engage with architecture architecture and the built environment as human beings especially mm -hmm. when we are coming from uh social backgrounds that aren't very um you know uh positive so i've concentrated my research on uh, a roma family in romania that they were from a small village called Gurcin. And I've, you know, applied everything that my tutors told me to do, you know, all the what research means. And I've, you know, lived with them. I've studied the way they were like, you know, engaging with um, the their home and, and how they were constructing their home to like protect themselves from like, you know, Romanians that were like, you know, um, putting putting them down and like creating that kind of like spatial and social segregation around that village. 
And that was like, you know, what made me think, well, maybe research is the way to do it. And um, it's my, you know, my path. And I've also fell in love with Jane Randall, which is an amazing writer and she's a tutor at the Bartlett. And I highly recommend reading her books. <laughs> I definitely so, will. Yeah. I am a serious bookworm. Um, you've already told me about her, but I'm so excited to look into what she's done. And I, I think architecture, like you're saying, it isn't just about building and designing. Architecture is about learning. And uh, I still think research is a massive thing that I'm interested in. And who knows where your career can go to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Okay, so question two for you is, what changes do you think should occur in the way that architecture is being taught in the UK? Oh my goodness. <laughs> There's so many <laughs> Just things. Just a small question. <laughs> <laughs> Just a tiny question. Um, well, I would say, you know, the... Um, uh, approach to mental health and the expectation to sacrifice your uh, personal time that is a that is a really big one i've i don't think i've been as supported for uh my mental my mental health uh throughout my um university and one thing that my uni didn't really like is you taking extenuating circumstances and I've never taken one because if, um, from what I observed again this is my personal view on on the matter so things can be different for other people um, if you were take like if you were taking an uh, extenuating circumstance to um, do your uh, to deliver your projects or um, so on um, Bartlett would wouldn't reward that like it would seem as a weak thing to do from from a student like uh, people would be rude to you uh, would say that oh wow why didn't you like what, what what did you do with your time like all all we do is like learn why didn't you finish your work working time what do you uh, get extenuating circumstances for um, if you would go to the um, the head of the department and say look I have a problem I I'm not feeling well I don't know if I can continue this I need a break I need you know something like I need I need my life a little bit yeah mm -hmm. you wouldn't get any kind of like reward you would get uh, any kind of like support you would get something like um along the lines of well why don't you sleep more and I don't think that is a yeah, sleep is, that actually, is a, mm, sleep is actually an issue for some people with yeah, yeah. mental health stuff. So that's crazy. Do you feel like uh, it had any reflection in, in your course behaviour then? So did, did yeah, you yeah. take, was you able to take any? Did you have to? Did you see it negatively impact other people like, yeah, with yeah. their grades or anything? like? Yeah, I did. I did see like people that would, would take extenuating circumstances, not from everyone, but not from every tutor or any kind of like module, but from certain modules you would get marked down. And so uh, that is there then, isn't yeah, it? Like, yeah. wow, that's insane. Yeah. It's completely, completely different to my experience. Um, when I was studying at university at Lincoln, mm -hmm. I, uh, I took several extenuating circumstances. So the very first one was, I think, three months into my undergrad, um, I had a mental breakdown um, and it was very serious and basically my mum came and took me home and I recuperated for about a week just away from everything and focusing on my health 
And when I returned, I was supported and was able to like continue as normal. And um, they gave me any kind of extend extensions to any projects that I had. Um, and they just told me not to worry because your first year really doesn't count to anything. Oh, so it was just like, it's OK, just kind of like come back when you're ready. Yeah. And then they also helped me to connect up with the uh, wellbeing support teams um, at the university. And I got help. Um, and I must say, like my recovery, uh, our I won't lie, I'm not fully recovered from mental health issues. Mine in particular is about anxiety and sometimes depression. And especially I think in the job that I do in the role, perfectionism and, and dealing mm -hmm. with stress and pressure, it brings out a lot of your anxieties. You're constantly criticizing what you're doing in order to mm -hmm. move forward. So mm -hmm. it has constantly been a battle between my passion of architecture and maintaining a good level for my health. Um, and I had many other things kind of going on as well. But in my final, I think, oh no, I'll just, before I skip to my final year, but in my first year after I finished, um, I went back to my second year and I, I knew immediately I still wasn't well enough. Um, so I ended up taking a full year out and I was devastated. I thought that I had failed at life. I thought that I was never going to be an architect and what a weak person I was. Mm -hmm. Um, and after a while, I, uh, I was seeing a counsellor and I basically got a job um, working at Tesco's and I built my self-confidence back up and I started realising that it's not the end of the world to take a break. And in mm. fact, it gave me perspective on what I wanted from my undergrad. So rather than all this pressure that the tutors wanted from me, mm -hmm. what did I want? What did I want to get from it? And I went back into my second year and just excelled. Like it wasn't always straightforward, but... The reward was there for me. I, I started to understand that the balance mm -hmm. between my mental health and architecture was needed. Um, but that being said, even towards my third year, I practically killed myself to finish my degree. And I think um, I was sleeping about four hours. So I had a shift pattern. I would do two days. So I had 14 days in a week. I would get up at four o'clock um, uh, no, I would work until four o'clock in the morning. I oh would sleep God. until eight. I would go into uni at nine. I would come back at around three, four, whenever the lectures finished. Yeah. I would have a nap, um, or as my fiance calls it, a siesta, because it's time. <laughs> I would have a nap until about eight o'clock. I would get up and I'd eat something. And then I'd work again until 4 a.m. Because I was a bit of a night owl and I just needed to find that productive, creative yeah. time. It's not always when you want it's it to be. It's not always coming. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's the shift of pattern that made it work for me. But saying it, saying like, even though I got the, the first that I wanted, I did really suffer with my health. Mm -hmm. um, and that sleeping pattern is not manageable. And I was backwards in every way of my life. So... You know, that's the solution I came up with. And there needs to be more. Um, tutors need to realise that um, this pressure that they put on us is not even helping us in reality. Mm -hmm. Because when you're in reality, you're in a team. Mm -hmm. And that pressure um, is shared. It's divided. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And you, you get taught. And I, I mean, sometimes you're dropped in the deep end in real life, but ultimately I think the pressure you experience at university compared to my personal experience in practice is nothing like um, <laughs> they expect you to be the next great architect like yeah. uh, Norman Foster and Zaha Hadid uh, in your first year of architecture it's never yeah. going to happen but, but what it's nice for them to like, like 
it's nice for them to like make you feel like that, you know, that you can be that, but they don't do much after from creating that kind of like image and desire. They don't really do much to support it. Like they just expect you to know the answer to everything and like find weird and intricate ways to look at reality and do your own, like how you do your projects and what you do your projects they don't on. So they don't you to deal with stress. No, and they don't no. you to deal with real life architecture. No. They're in a fancy think, world sometimes. Yeah. And if you think about it, as you said, like in a practice on a project, they're like, 20 people working well probably not 20 but you know 15 people working all having different tasks to get that project completed and you know why don't we do more of that in during uni um yeah. do why you don't think we your experience of that really then changed the fact that you haven't wanted to pursue it like what was your first experience in the real world of architecture um, so I've had six months of experience as a part one architectural assistant in a small practice. And, um, you know, I thought that, okay, university is over. Now I'm a, a, a working uh, adult, uh, which means that, um, you know, I, I go to work from nine till five. And then after five is my free time. Absolutely wrong. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I um, I didn't have it bad, but uh, I know some friends of mine that were going into work um, even on Saturdays and Sundays, working until 10. But in my practice, even though they were like against working after hours, people would take their laptops home and they would work from home. Mm. And they would be like, you know, online at 8, 10, 11, sometimes 12, if there was a deadline. And I don't think it's healthy. I think, you know, I'm happy that you finally have like a very good experience of, you know, in, in the real life, in the practice where, you know, yeah. you, you have that kind of divide between uh, work life and, and yeah, personal but life. But it's changed again. I mean, we've yeah. just all experienced this massive shift, everyone working from home. And I can feel that tug on the balance again between mm -hmm. life mm -hmm. at home and oh, work. And yeah, um, yeah. so I think it's so important now tutors and managers to educate young people in coming into this industry of architecture, that switch off time is important. Because like we said, you don't always get the idea you're looking for because you're mm -hmm. sat there in front of a laptop, like yeah. pulling your, your eyes out. Sometimes it's when you're on a walk or when you're talking yeah. to a family member that that idea comes to you. The pressure mm -hmm. is not helpful. It is negatively impacting mm -hmm. our ability to even concentrate so I think for all of those people out there that are either experiencing super stressful undergraduates or masters in architecture and wondering what real life practice is about if you are in a practice that is overworking you and not supporting your mental health please do go out and and try and find that support because yeah life balance is a part of becoming a great architect we mm -hmm. need to be able to experience life in order to make it better Mm -hmm. exactly you couldn't have said it better honestly like uh talk to your managers or line mm -hmm. managers talk to the mental health uh advisors in your practice if you have any um right. and learn to say no like you can't do you can't do it all and don't sell your soul for uh architecture because you you have to live as well in order to create so yeah 100%. yeah yeah 
Okay, Andrea, so my last question for you on this episode today is what advice do you have for young people so that they can find the right career path for them in the construction industry? Um, I honestly followed my passion and my passion was research. Um, and I'm not saying that this is going to be the end. Uh, probably I won't do research my entire life. But yeah, I, I urge the young people to follow uh what they what inspires them what they're passionate about and you know get out there get you know involved with people that are doing things that they they are interested in mm-hmm. um get talking um you know join linkedin and any other kind of like social platforms that allow you to network and connect and be you know kept on the loop with the events and things and talks that are happening in the in the industry that you want to do. You don't have to do architecture, even though you've studied architecture, there are plenty and plenty of routes um, for you to go around it. And at the time, for me, it wasn't an opportunity, but I would say that apprenticeships are a godsend. Honestly, yeah. they are. <laughs> they're amazing. And I, I don't know if you're aware, actually, but statistically, women becoming architects is like a major thing that is it's oh, been yeah. a barrier. So yeah. people have, um, you know, done the undergrad, but not being able to continue qualifying because of the route of going back to do full time courses. So yeah. apprenticeships, yeah, they really are a godsend and they are especially for me. Um, so in my particular experience, I I financially didn't want to be a student again. I socially didn't want to be a student again. And whilst I absolutely love architecture, I wanted to be involved in a course that would allow me to stay rooted Mm -hmm. in the real world I wanted to still be working and I think a lot of what we do um whether that be architecture or other roles in our industry it's about experience real life experience is the best lessons exactly so doing an apprenticeship where you get the best of both worlds is the key for me (laughs) and and um, if people haven't heard about apprenticeships do go out and have a look into them um so yeah hopefully there's going to be a rise in qualified female architects and I'm going to be one of them (laughs) but (laughs) saying that you're swaying me to the research side I'm not going to lie I'm very passionate (laughs) about reading and research so who knows it's an open world and this is how it it should be exactly um, I guess what you're saying then is the most important thing that I would advise too is for people to join organisations. Um, so there are so many out there. Yep. Um, obviously, we're here as a G4C network, um, yep. as multi-sectors, um, and we're super happy that you've joined us, Andrea. Um, but what would you say are the key reasons why you've chosen to get involved with G4C? Yeah, I I, uh, I joined G4C because it's such a vibrant community of young professionals. And, you know, I just wanted to be part of a, an initiative that, um, you know, it's, it's, it's the young people that are part of that community are working in the built environment because mm-hmm. this is what I'm interested in. Um, and, you know, they are active and they're engaged and they're, you know, trying to positively changed the change the the industry exactly. um bring awareness on 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 key areas such as um inequality um such as like mental health and the problems that we face with that um the different routes that you can take to become successful in this in this in in this field it's a, it's an amazing it's an amazing place to be in and 
Um, I've also, I, you know, it's a great, G4C is a great place for networking and um, during our like um, monthly talks, we exchange a lot of uh, amazing ideas and as I, um, um, I can say this, this is the reason why we have the podcast now, right? <laughs> because exactly, it was just, yeah. it started as an idea during, during one of the monthly, uh, monthly talks and it's That's just so uh, Sorry, yeah, I'm so glad that we've that we've been able to get something. This is what G4C is about, like you say, producing yeah. something and, and allowing people to engage. And the network is so huge, but yes. podcasts can reach so many more people than we can in just our committee meetings. So thank you all for those that are listening out there. We really appreciate you following um, our podcast and we hope that you continue to do so because we've got many more exciting ones to come. So I want to say thank you for Andrea for joining us. I've completely enjoyed this uh, experience talking to you we can speak for hours yeah um, and yeah we hope everyone enjoyed this thank you guys for listening and feel free to drop me a line or demi a line and definitely join g4c because it's amazing <laughs>